Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey, so grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a coffee break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Thanks for joining me for Positive Adoption. I'm going to start with my personal update. I feel like it's kind of the same every week. I said this on my live on Facebook the other day. Painting. I've been painting. Painting or power washing. I've also been doing a lot of kayaking. And the great news is, I don't know what it's like in your community, but the swimming pool opened up here. So I have gotten to go swimming, which was really nice and The beach at the lake has also opened up, which has been really nice. Um, In the business update, we just had a photo shoot for the book covers in the trilogy, Defining Family, no, Defining Home. I don't even know the names of my own books. Defining Home, Defining Family, and Defining Marriage. Now, like I said last week, if you're looking for those, you'll only find the first one available in print. We're reworking the covers, getting ready to release a trilogy. And if you ever had one of those times where you have this goal in mind at the beginning of the year, like I always do a vision board and not weird kind of vision board. I did a whole podcast on it. It's just the goals that I have for the year. And when I see them on the board, it reminds me to work towards those goals. And one of my goals this year was to finish that trilogy and to have all of the book covers reworked or for the newest one to have it done and to release those as a set and to start marketing them. And they all, all of my books have the underlying theme of adoption, trauma-informed, and it's not going to just say that right out because obviously they're about characters who have lives. But the Defining series, the main character, Adelina, was in an orphanage in Poland for most of her life. So kind of the story is set there, but it also has human trafficking in there, aspects of learning to be part of a family. So all of my books have that underlying theme. But I'm getting off track here. But I have this goal like by March to have all of this done, to have the books ready, to release them as a trilogy. And I was really excited about that. Well, obviously, it's June and they're not out. And so I was out for dinner last night with my husband and my son, Hunter, Um, the, the lodge here has opened and they have great food. So we were eating dinner there overlooking the lake and I was just sitting there, sorry, but complaining about the fact that I have not met very many of my goals this year. I mean, I'm going to meet them, just not in the time frame I wanted to. 
And my son said to me, Mom, instead of being upset with all of the things that you haven't accomplished yet, why don't you think about all the things you have already accomplished and pat yourself on the back for those? So I did. I really patted myself on the back. And yeah, it's difficult, especially during this year. This year has been crazy. It has been crazy. And sometimes we feel as if we are going crazy, right? And some of the goals that we had at the beginning of the year were like, why did I even have that goal? How did I think I was going to accomplish it? Not because it's completely impossible to ever be accomplished, but because all of the circumstances in our lives have been slightly altered till we have to focus on some other things right now. And that's okay. So I'm taking my son's advice and I will keep you posted on that, but I don't want to take up all of my time, but that's my personal update. So if you have some goals that you haven't accomplished yet this year, don't give up. Just say, you know what? I'm going to put these on the back burner. I'm going to work on them slowly. All right. Now, my community update. I'm just going to tell you that people have not been as active or I haven't been getting a lot of feedback and I understand why. Now, I did get a message on the live I did on journaling and I had a nice conversation with with someone about that, but I think that we're developing social media agoraphobia because we don't even want to get on. Before all of this craziness started, and I'm not going to get into it, I felt as if I was, you know, people were sending me emails, getting me comments, and not that I'm relying on those. I'm going to keep doing this no matter what. I'm going to keep podcasting. I'm going to keep writing. But there's been a shift, and I actually am writing an article about social media agoraphobia And I will be releasing that next week. So watch for that. And I think that's one of the reasons we're afraid to get on social media because we don't know what's out there right now. Okay? So I'll talk more about, I will release that article next week. But I want to get on to my topic. So today, we're talking about helping teens use journaling as a coping mechanism. Last week, we talked about how to teach kids, even preschoolers, how to use that. Now, teens, it's a little bit different. And maybe some of you, the thought of giving some teens a blank journal and asking them to write their feelings may leave you shaking your head and thinking, this lady does not know my teen. I understand. I get it. Some teens don't like to write or they don't like to talk about their feelings. But before you click out of this episode, hang on and at least listen to my suggestions and try them. First of all, you don't need to give your teen a blank journal and have him come up with his own thoughts. You know, if if the scenario in your mind is playing out, here's a blank journal, go in your room and write for an hour. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Yes, there are those rare teens who would just love to do that. I was one of those. I was one of those weird teens that wrote poetry in my room and read it out loud to my friends. Yes, I was one of those people. So maybe me being one of those people helped me to teach my kids who weren't 
those kinds of writers or feelers or thinkers, but it helped them become thinkers. Okay, so first of all, like I said, don't think you have to give your teen a blank journal and have them come up with something. You know the old saying, you can't draw from an empty well. Well, I'm not saying that teens are empty. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is we must provide food for thought. Instead of asking your kids just to think about how they, how they feel, period, you provide a journal and a prompt. You give them something to think about. That's the food that gets thoughts going. And remember, there is no right or wrong answer. And some of the answers your kids write down, your teens, will be totally illogical at first. That's okay. I had one teen whose answer for every problem or conflict was, just blow them up. Now, I understand that sort of answer wouldn't be acceptable in the school system, but he had a process brewing under the surface. And his thought at that time was, you meet all resistance with violence. That was his first line of thinking. Keyword, thinking. And that's a preschool arena of critical thinking. If I don't like it, get rid of it. Or that's stupid. Or the only way to solve a problem is with violence. That's a preschool arena of thinking. But if you stick with it, like he did, he grew from there to have more complex answers, more critical thinking. Isn't that what the world needs right now? People who can think deep thoughts, come up with solutions, and not just react. Remember, that's why we're doing this. We're not, we're not teaching our kids to journal to punish them. We're teaching them that as a coping mechanism. And what we want them to do is to get from their downstairs brain, where it's fight, flight, or freeze, walk upstairs, use the logic, literal, literal and linear, trying to say two words at once. We want our kids to develop reasoning skills. That's why we're doing this. Now here's a sample prompt. This is a long one. You can find shorter ones. I'm just trying to make a point. This is from C.S. Lewis. If you do not take the distinction between good and bad very seriously, then it is easy to say that anything you find in this world is a part of God. But of course, if you think some things are really bad and God is really good, you can't talk like that. You must believe that God is separate from the world and that some of the things we see in it are contrary to his will. Confronted with cancer or a slum, the pantheist can say, if you could only see it from the divine point of view, you would realize that this is also God. The Christian replies, don't talk, cuss, nonsense. I skipped that word. <laughs> so that's, you know, that would be for a higher level of critical thinking. You know, maybe a junior or a senior. But I'm just going to go through the steps really quick of what you do when you're helping your teen use journaling. Number one, you provide a prompt. Number two, you read the prompt aloud with your teen. 
Don't just say, here's the prompt, here's your journal. One of the things that I used to do, and maybe you won't be this mean, is I would write the prompt on the board because I had lots of teens. So I would have to write it once and then they would have to write it down. That's totally up to you. But read the prompt aloud with your teen. That's part of the process. Okay? Then give the team time, the teen time to write about the prompt. Whatever he thinks. No judgment. Expect some that's stupid or VSS, very short sentences. It's okay. This is a process. The goal is critical thinking, i.e. getting your kids in their upstairs brain. So when you first start and your kids only write two or three words or maybe one sentence, that's okay. That's all right. Okay? Because you're going to move forward in this. The next step is discuss the prompt and their answers together. We talked about that last week with the little kids. The little kids love to share. Here's my picture of what if mom said to draw something that makes you happy. Well, the same premise goes with the teens. They need to talk about it. And here's, in in case you haven't interpreted teen lingo yet, just because a teen says, I hate that, that's stupid, doesn't mean you shouldn't do the thing anyway. Okay? All right. So dinner's a great time to do this, especially if you have multiple teens and they've all used the same prompt. Again, there are no wrong answers, just talk. I know this is really hard for us parents, especially when we get into moral issues, just like, okay, let's just let them just process it, okay? And then, number five, once your teens have used journal prompts for a long season of time, they can begin to use the skill to process what's going on in their lives and what's going on in the world, And I think it's so important for us to provide food for thought for our teens so that they have, they can digest it, they can think about it, and then they can decide what they feel about those things. And number six, this one is super important. If you have a child who struggles with the act of writing because of a processing disorder or dyslexia, or any other capital letter syndrome or issue, let him dictate to you. I had said in the last podcast, you know, I did that with a lot of my kids, even though they physically could write, they couldn't process and write at the same time. That does not mean that they're stupid. I'm only saying that because my kids would say that to me. And I'm sure if you have a child who struggles with one of those issues, they may say that about themselves. It just means that they need a secretary and you get to be that secretary and it's okay. Okay, so those are my six points. Find some prompts, look on the internet, get some books that you can just pull a few sentences out of, just get some off your shelf and they don't have to be deep thinking to start with. They can just be something where you pull a few sentences and it's lighthearted, and it's fun, it's okay. It just gets the brain going. It gets the the teen thinking. 
So I'm going to finish up here because I'm past my 15 minute mark. Next week, I'll be talking about some summer book recommendations for teens to help you get some conversations started. And then the following week, I'll do the younger kids. So I'm going to do it backwards this time. So thanks for joining me today, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe to KathleenGuire.com to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families, and receive a monthly newsletter, plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube, and leave a review so other listeners can find positive adoption and know the value of the show. You're also welcome to send me an email to positiveadoption at gmail.com. Follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Kathleen Guire. Thanks for being part of the Positive Adoption Community.